Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Activate Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Activate. I want to preach to you tonight from John chapter 15, and I'm wondering if you can go there with me uh, or just uh, look on the screen, John 15 verse 1. I'm going to read through to verse 16, it's a few verses, but this would have to be one of my favorite passages of Scripture. It's uh, an invitation, not just to intimacy, but it's an invitation to fruitfulness. And uh, Jesus is speaking and he says this, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in or remain in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down their lives for their friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, Jesus said, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Your fruit should remain or abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Powerful passage of scripture. I want to speak to you tonight on the subject, position for productivity. Positioned for productivity. Now in 2005, I was going through another transition season in my life where I needed clarity and direction about my future. Whenever we go through transition seasons, we are moving from one time, one season into the next. It can be quite a, a time of vulnerability. It can be a confusing time. And often in those moments, in those times, we receive prophetic words. We receive prophecies. We receive words from God to give us direction as signposts into the next season and when God prophesies through somebody he's revealing his heart his thought his intention to us and so I received a prophecy that said three seasons would repeat themselves in my life a season of pruning a season of preparation and a season of productivity and just when I think that you know, I, I can't be pruned and prepared anymore. God would move us into a season of productivity. And just when I think this is the promised land, this is where I want to live, God would take us back into a season of pruning 
and of preparation. And I found that's not only a true word for me, it's a true word for every single one of us in life, particularly those who are aware uh, as followers of Jesus that we will go through seasons of life, seasons of pruning, seasons of preparation, seasons of productivity. Our idea of fruitfulness is never-ending harvest, never-ending productivity. It's like once we get to the promised land, it's like, can I just live here? And when I speak of the promised land, I'm talking about living in the fullness of who Jesus is and living in the fullness of the promises for your destiny and your purpose that God has given you for your life. And, and so when we sort of arrive at a certain juncture or, or point in our journey, we're like, this is it. This is where life really begins. And we want productivity and harvest to remain. But then we discover that God brings us into another season of pruning. God, God's idea of fruitfulness is to take us through the seasons of life. You talk to a farmer and he'll tell you every single season is needed for harvest. You can't just have perpetual harvest. You need a season of sowing if you're going to have a season of reaping. And as in the natural, so in the supernatural. God has a purpose for every season of your lives. In Ecclesiastes 3.1, it talks about the wisdom writer says there's a time and a season for every matter under heaven. And so many of us are ignorant of the season or the time that we find ourselves in. I want to encourage you tonight to go on a journey with God about identifying the time and the season that God has you in. Do you have a clear word for the time and the season that you are currently in, in your own personal journey with God? Or are you just wandering from one week to the next, one month to the next, one year to the next, and it's all a bit of a blur, and every now and then you get a little bit inspired and maybe do something different? I want to tell you, God wants you to live the kingdom life by design and by intention, not by accident. And not just by randomly arriving somewhere. God is a creator. God is a designer. He is intelligent. He has created you for a purpose. And he wants you to understand the time and the season that you find yourself right now in your life. Why? Because ignorance of your season and the time that you're in will produce disillusionment in your life. You could be expecting harvest or reaping in a season of sowing. And when you don't see a certain result or a certain outcome, you'll say to yourself, hang on a sec, what's wrong with you, God? What's wrong with me? And there's nothing wrong with God and nothing wrong with you. He's just trying to help you understand. Now, you're in a season where you need to sow something. And then in the coming season, as you've been faithful in this season, you'll reap something from what you've sown in the previous season. Every season in life has certain boundaries. 20 years ago, I wanted to be doing what I'm doing now. It's taken literally nearly 20 years of walking with God, journeying with God, uh, uh, getting up, having devotions, studying the Word, 
preaching in different places, doing different things, pastoring, planting churches, youth, young adult, pastor, intern, Bible college, all these different things to get to a point where, where what God originally spoken to you is, beca- is sort of becoming reality, is starting to live in our lives. And by the way, you never arrive. Have you discovered that? You never arrive. It's just that when you get to a certain point, guess what? You begin another journey. There's no such thing as, you know, the, the ultimate place of arrival, the place called there where life begins. No, life is happening right now. Don't wait till it happens. Don't wait till the dream comes to pass and say, now I'm really living life. You are living life right now. But seasons contain boundaries. If I tried to do 20 years ago what I'm doing now, I'd become very disillusioned and discouraged because that season required me to do different things. And it takes maturity, emotional and spiritual maturity to actually go through the seasons of life with God for God to begin to pre- begin to produce the fruit in you that He wants to. And if you align the right action with the right season, with the right expectation, not only will you maximize the season you're in, but you'll set yourself up to graduate for the coming seasons of what God actually has for you in your life. There is one thing you never have to doubt about God and His nature and His heart towards you, and that is His intention for you is fruitfulness. God's intention for every single person in this room is that you would be exceedingly fruitful. But our job, our role is to position ourselves in a place where that fruitfulness can actually manifest and become a reality. You you are not automatically fruitful just because you are a so-called Christian. There is a partnership, a co-laboring. There is a responsibility that God entrusts you as a disciple and a follower of Christ that requires or that partners with God's intention for your life. See, one of the key questions that we've got to ask ourselves is, am I as animated in the pruning seasons as I am in the harvest seasons of my life? Because anybody can be happy and excited when their bank account's full, their body is healthy, and everything is going great in their relationships. It's like, it's awesome. Life is awesome. Sunday night, and it is all right. It's it's just great. It's fantastic. But God is looking for a church. God is looking for people that are as expectant and animated and full of faith in the pruning seasons as much as in the summer seasons of life. One of the things you need to understand about fruitfulness is that God rewards all fruitfulness with pruning. Pruning is the reward for you being fruitful. This is what Jesus is talking about in this passage. He says, every branch that doesn't bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, he cuts. So here's the lesson. Whether you produce fruit or not, you're going to get cut. So you may as well get cut for producing fruit. And not simply sitting idle and doing nothing with your life and remaining disconnected from the purposes of God for you. 
So in the kingdom of God, pruning is a reward, it's not punishment. I remember when we were leading the church uh, here at Activate many, many years ago, went through a very difficult season. And, and a few things were going wrong and I'm like, Lord, I feel like you're punishing me. And he said, son, I'm not punishing you, I'm pruning you. You see, sometimes when you're going through a season of pruning, you misinterpret the nature of who God is. And God gave me a picture uh, during that time, a prophetic picture, where he, he showed me an archer with a bow and an arrow. And he said, son, uh, I am the archer and you are the arrow and the bow is my word in your life in this season. And you think that as the arrow is being drawn back, that you are being that you are being punished, that you're going backwards. He said, "Oh no, I'm just stretching you back to get you ready to catapult you forward into what I have for you. But you've got to respond to me the right way in pruning, in order for the purpose of the pruning to manifest in fruitfulness." One of the things I've learned is that God's cutbacks are never setbacks. He's just setting you up for a comeback in Jesus' name. That's not cliche. That's my paraphrase of what God does in people's lives in the Word of God. Never allow life's contradictions to shape an inferior view of who God is. Your job as a Christian, my job as a preacher and a proclaimer of the Word of God is to present to the world a brilliant view of who God is, how good He is, how amazing He is. When Jesus came, part of the reason He came, in fact, I would say that the big picture of why Jesus came was to present to the world a brilliant picture of who the Father was. Yes, he came to seek and save the lost. Yes, he came to destroy the works of the devil. But he came to present to us a picture of how good our Father is. And here throughout this passage, he is drawing as he's talking about fruitfulness, as he's talking about pruning, as he's talking about uh, uh, the garden and, and, and all that's involved in this. He's bringing to us who the Father is. Now, because I'm not an avid horticulturalist, my wife would say yes and amen to that, and because I don't do any gardening in Jesus' name, and I feel no guilt or condemnation about that right now, uh, and, and because I lack revelation on horticulture, uh, when you lack revelation on something and you can't find it in the Word of God, you consult the next best fountain of revelation, Google, in Jesus' name. And so I studied pruning on Google. I looked up pruning and I discovered some amazing things. I'm going to read to you what pruning is according to a horticulturalist. Now, when I read this, don't hear the natural hear the supernatural because this is what it means. It means the selective removal of parts of a plant not needed. It involves the cutting of branches shorter or off altogether. And the reason is it, is it removes dead wood and prepares the plant for a harvest of both quality and quantity of fruit. Pruning prevents the breakage under external elements and will ultimately determine the productivity and longevity of the fruit. So when God is pruning you, he is not punishing you. you it's not like, uh, you know, that he's angry with you. He's actually setting you up 
for greater fruitfulness in the coming seasons of your life. How does God prune us? Well, in this text, primarily God prunes us through his word. In verse 3, he says to the disciples, already you are clean because of my word. If you study the root word for clean and the root word for pruning, it's the same root word. He was saying that I cut you through, cut you back and get you ready for greater fruitfulness through my word. I cleanse you, I prune you, I prepare you for fruitfulness through my voice. God prunes through his voice. Let's see an example of that. Well, the Apostle Peter decided that he was going to exercise his foot and mouth disease and he was going to tell Jesus that it was a really bad idea for Jesus to die upon a cross. And, and, and so Jesus, no, don't say that. You're going to live. If you die, the whole business just falls apart. You've got to stay alive. The masses are coming in. The tithes and offerings are coming in. The loaves and fishes are going out. Miracle signs and wonders are happening. You can't die, Jesus. That's a really bad idea. And Jesus Jesus is like, no, Peter, that you don't understand. If I don't die, there's no salvation for the sins of humanity. And what does Jesus do? He pulls out of his tool bag a big pair of pruning scissors. True story. This is in the original Greek. And he says, Peter, he says, get behind me, Satan. Now, when Jesus, the Son of God, looks at you of something you've said and says, get behind me, Satan, it's a bad day. It hasn't gone well. It's not heading in the right direction. But Jesus is there and he uses his word to prune a wrong value system in Peter's heart. Because what God's word does in our lives, when it prunes us, it adjusts value systems. Many of us carry value systems from our family of origin that are not necessarily the healthiest value system. And it isn't often until you leave home that you realize maybe that wasn't so healthy. Some of us carry value systems that are more about the spirit of the culture around us and the world than the, the culture of the kingdom of God. And so when God speaks, sometimes he uses a preacher. Sometimes he uses a pastor who's pastoring us. Sometimes he uses a small group leader. Sometimes he directly speaks to us in our own hearts as we're reading the word of God or through a prophecy or something like that. When God speaks to us through his word, he adjusts value systems to bring us into alignment with a kingdom value system. In Isaiah 55, the prophet said, God speaking through the prophet, my thoughts aren't your thoughts and my ways aren't your ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways, so are my thoughts. If you want your ways to become God's ways, our thoughts have got to become God's thoughts. And the only way our thoughts become His thoughts is if He challenges our thinking. That's why if you want a preacher or a church that doesn't ever challenge you or offend your wrong thinking, you're not going to grow. You're not going to be fruitful. We live in such a politically correct culture now. It's like anything you say, everyone reads everything into it and everyone's offended by it. There's no emotional resiliency whatsoever. And, and yet when, if Jesus was in the pulpit in the flesh here tonight, he would offend every single one of us. He would challenge your thoughts. He would challenge your value systems. He would challenge everything and he wouldn't apologize. 
He loves you, but he loves you so much and cares about you too much for you to live in your dysfunction any longer and my dysfunction. And he speaks his word. Why? Not only because he wants to adjust value system, but he actually wants to bring us into a place of greater fruitfulness. In Jesus' name. Now, how you respond to the pruning determines how long you stay getting pruned. I'm just here to encourage you. Have you ever been around the mountain a few times with an issue or circumstance in life and just like, you know, this is deja vu. I keep bumping into the same issue. I keep bumping into the same problem. In this relationship over here, I'm bumping into the same problem I had in that relationship over there. With my finances over here, I'm bumping into the same problem as I bumped into this problem over here. How you respond to God's pruning voice and word in your life determines how long you stay in it. And if you respond with a sense of yes and amen, it hurts, it sucks, I don't like it, but I'm willing to be confronted. I'm willing to allow your word to act as a mirror into my life and to challenge my wrong presuppositions, my worldview that is anti-kingdom, anti-God, anti-Christ, in order that I may become more like my master, my saviour, my Jesus, and in order that his character and his fruitfulness will live more in me I just want to encourage you when God prunes you just respond quickly respond quickly just a glance my way I'm like yes Lord I saw that glance I hear it I understand it one of the prayers I pray is Jesus help me become like you but please be gentle with me that's wisdom do you know the Bible says humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God never pray for God to humble you he will take your prayer very seriously and he is committed to answering that prayer. I say, Jesus, you don't need to humble me. I will humble myself and you've also given me an amazing wife that will keep me humble in Jesus' name. All right? So, so we've got to get to the place where we're responding quickly to the pruning voice of God in our lives. The right response to pruning is not resentment but it's to remain connected to who Jesus is. Some of us in this room tonight are resentful towards God. We're angry at him. We may be carrying some unforgiveness or bitterness towards because we've actually slapped, stamped on God something that isn't actually his responsibility. Something that actually isn't who he is. The right response to pruning is, I may not understand but I'm going to remain connected because fruitfulness is dependent on your relational connection to Jesus. This is what Jesus is saying in verse 4 and 5. He says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you remain connected to me. Whoever abides in me and I in them will bear much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. The fruit you produce is determined by the source you're connected to. Here's the deal. If you don't like the fruit that's coming out of your life, go back to the source that you're connected to. What information are you operating under? Who are you connected to? What is the, the fruit that's coming out of your life? And if you don't like it, then you've got to check who am I actually connected to? What Jesus is trying to do in this passage is bring us as his followers into the same dependency that Jesus had with his father. 
Jesus said, I only ever do that which I see my Father doing. The reason Jesus' ministry was exceedingly fruitful is not just because he was the Son of God, he was fully and properly God, but he was also fully and properly man. The reason Jesus' ministry was so fruitful is because he lived in a real-time relationship with the Father, whereby the Spirit, there was an awareness of what the Father wanted to do in that person's life, in this situation with the crowd, in this funeral, in this event, in this that was happening over here at the Pool of Bethesda, different things, he, he, he was in fully completely dependent to the father and what the father's will was for each given situation that is the same level of dependency that God is trying to bring us into every breakthrough in my life required complete and utter dependency upon Jesus I cannot claim kudos for any breakthrough in my life because I'm simply not that clever or good Have you discovered that in life? Simply not that clever. I I know I am utterly and completely dependent upon Jesus. I think that's why God uses me sometimes, just sometimes. And I think that when you get a revelation, I remember, you know, uh, in a season where lots of fruitfulness was breaking out and, and I just said, God, I feel overwhelmed. I'm completely and utterly dependent upon you. I feel foolish. I feel weak. And Jesus said, that's why I chose you. Because the others thought they could do it by themselves. But I chose you because you know that without me, you can do nothing. You see, we look at that as weakness. Because our culture teaches us, you've got to be strong, you've got to achieve, you've got to win, you've got to outdo somebody else. And yet I read the Word and the Word says, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wisdom of the wise. Strength is made perfect. His strength is made perfect in your weakness. The more weak you re- realize you are, the more dependent you become. The, the, the more foolish you realize you are, the more dependent you become upon the one who is exceedingly strong. And, and, and is the person that Pastor Ben was talking about is the almighty God. He has unlimited power, all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere present. When you come into relationship with that kind of God, all of a sudden your weaknesses all of a sudden become null and void why because it's what his word says about you not what the world says about you I remember when I left the police force and went 20 years ago and went into internship just got married internship bible college it required complete dependency I was criticized and and mocked for the decision I remember when we you know planted a church with 13 people in a lounge room and no money Uh, it required total dependency when we left this and we went full-time itinerant the last six years it required total dependency when we needed a facility in a building at near Eastland shopping center we ran from Sydney to Melbourne raised $160,000 after two weeks of running and 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 you just go it required total dependency Everything that will be of God in your life will often require total dependency. And what Jesus does is he puts you in a position where you can do nothing, but then he requires everything. Have you discovered that? You can't do anything about this. But he says, I expect everything. And you're like, 
how is this going to be? How is this going to work? And you say, well, where do you get that in the Bible? The parable of the talents. Do you know that the minimum percentage of profit in the parable of the talents is 100%. Whether you got one, whether you got two, or whether you got five, 100%. Well, I can't do 100%. Imagine that expectation from your boss in your business. We expect you in the next financial year, 100% profit on your previous year. You're like, it's impossible. So it's impossible in the economy of the kingdom. And yet Jesus says, you actually can't do this unless you're dependent upon me. So here's the deal. I'm going to take you on a journey. You're going to be put in a position where you can do absolutely nothing, but I'm going to require everything. And the only way that fruitfulness, the everything that I require from you is going to manifest is if you walk in total humble dependency in your relationship with me. You see, our dependency upon Jesus is demonstrated best through our prayer lives. If you want to know whether you're dependent upon, or, or upon God or not, just check your prayer life. Not as a duty to perform to earn something, but as a matter of survival and remaining connected to Jesus. God's answers to your prayers are conditional upon your connection to him. I didn't say that, Jesus did. He says in verse 7, if you abide in me and I in you, connection, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You see, the fruit you produce are God's answers to your prayers. And this is what I've discovered about prayer. Prayer is actually not about the answer, it's about the connection. If I get enamored with the answers over the connection, the answers dry up. Because he's more committed to the connection than he is the answers. However, he also taught us how to pray to get answers. And if you are tolerating a prayer life that's void of answers and breakthrough, your prayer has become theoretical and dutiful And you fail to understand that one of the purposes of prayer is to get stuff done in the temporal realm. This morning we talked about eternal rewards. There are eternal rewards. There are blessings that we're going to enjoy and taste of for all eternity. But don't tolerate a lack of answers in your current temporary reality and just live for eternal rewards God wants his kingdom to come through your life right now. He actually wants the kingdom to manifest on earth now. And one of the ways that the power of the kingdom becomes a reality in our lives is through our faith-filled prayer. You see, abiding in Christ, remaining in Jesus will naturally lead to praying the desires of God's heart. Psalm 37 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. We love that. Oh, he gives me the desires of my heart. Not just any desires, only the desires that bubble up from your delighting in him. It's as you delight in him that his desires bubble up in your heart, bubble up in your spirit. As you remain in him, if you abide in me and I in you, 
Ask whatever you wish. Why? Because it'll come from my spirit that's living in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. It's not just offering up any, you know, crisis prayer. It's offering up the sort of prayer that is birthed out of communion and intimacy with God. That's why friendship, not servanthood, is the fountain of fruitfulness. Jesus said, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know. He's ignorant what his master is doing. But I've called you friends for all that I've heard from my father I've made known to you. Now, we hear a lot about servanthood in the church, and for good reason. Matthew 20, Jesus taught the disciples on servanthood. It's powerful, it's true, it's right, we need to hear it. The only problem is the emphasis in the Gospels is not on servanthood, it's on friendship. Friendship with Jesus, friendship with God. Who would you rather share secrets with? A servant, a hireling, or a friend? I don't know about you, but I share secrets with friends. Well, why is God any different? He shares the secrets of heaven, the secrets of his heart with friends. We see this contrast in Luke chapter 10 when Jesus turns up to Mary and Martha's house. And Martha, to cut a long story short, is the typical uh, caricature of a servant. She's running around the house trying to get the house ready, the feast ready, the banquet ready, trying to serve Jesus and all of his disciples. She's so distracted by her servanthood that she gets angry at Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah. She goes into Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the person who's holding the molecules of her body together by the power of his word. It's a bad day when you address the creator of the heavens and earth in an angry, resentful tone. And she says, you know, tell my sister to come and serve with me. Which I'm trying to serve you here. I'm trying to serve up a Christmas lunch here for you. And, 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 and all she's doing is sitting at your feet and enjoying friendship and listening to your teaching and spending time in your presence. You tell her to do something. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but only one thing is necessary. And, it, and the portion that Mary has chosen will not be taken away from her. And the portion that Mary chose over what Martha chose was friendship, not servanthood. Jesus is not saying servanthood isn't important. He's just saying friendship is more important. Why? Because servants, people who simply serve Jesus but do not relate to him in friendship, lack revelation of what God is doing in the earth in the time and season in their lives. Only friends, people who walk in intimacy, remaining in Christ, know what God is doing. Friends live out of revelation. Jesus said, all that the Father has revealed to me, I have given to my friends. You see, God does everything in your life for the purpose of fruitfulness. He says, by this my Father is glorified. We talk about wanting to bring glory to Jesus, glory to the Father. He says, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. You know, often what we've said is because someone has been faithful with 10 people for 100 years, that, 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 that's fruitfulness. 
and, and, and that's amazing and good that there is an engagement with that. But I'm here to tell you that when Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And when Jesus calls you to something, he wants it to be fruitful. He says, go out to the highways and the byways and compel people to come in. It's not about size or numbers. It's about fruitfulness. And, and well, it's Corey, actually, not Ben, but that's cool. But, but <laughs> I'm happy for Ben to take the credit for this, just another moment to be humble right now. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you that you should bear much fruit and your fruit should remain. You know what I've discovered? Many of us get dis- discouraged by a lack of fruit. Have you ever been there? Can we just be honest? Just go, I don't see it. It's not happening. And I've received the prophecies and I've received the promises. And why isn't there a lack of fruit? And we draw conclusions about God and life based upon what we can't see. This is what I want to say to you. Never forget fruit is made in the valleys of life, not the mountaintops. And the valley is about what's happening in you. The mountaintop is what's happening through you. Everyone can see the mountaintop experience. We take the selfie, we take the photo, you're on the mountaintop. Amazing. It's incredible. It's like the highlight reel of your life. No one wants to take selfies of the valley. What's happening in you? We, we don't take those selfies because it's too painful, it's too difficult. So if you're not seeing a lot of fruit right now, There's only one of two reasons. One is because maybe you need to increase your connection to Jesus. Your your friendship, your intimacy, your relational connection. Or two, God's doing something in you before he does something through you. Maybe you are in a valley right now. Maybe you aren't on the mountaintop. But that's okay because valley, because fruit is actually cultivated and planted in the valleys of of life. You know, two and a half years ago, my 59-year-old mother passed away and she wrestled with a lung disease for 20 years and uh, died too young. And as you can imagine, there was all sorts of grief and anxiety and all sorts of things that I had to wrestle with and, and grow through. And it felt like throughout that 12 months, like I was in a valley, couldn't see a whole lot of what was on the other side of that. And yet all of a sudden, this fruit, fruitfulness just began to explode in my life, 12, 18 months after her death. And, and I, I was reminded that in that valley season of grief and anxiety and all that I was going through, God was doing something in me. And as I worked through that season and partnered with that season, I came out the other side and all of a sudden God began to do something through me. What God does in you He'll start to do it through you. Whatever season you're in, be it a valley or a mountaintop, Jesus says, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. He's saying whether you're in a valley or whether you're in a mountaintop, you can live in the fullness and the strength of God's joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. He was pointing us to the reasons for joy. 
why we can live with confidence, why we can live with hope, why we can live animated in winter seasons, in pruning seasons, as much as harvest seasons. Why? Because He's doing something even though we can't see. We will see. Maybe not in our generation, but in the coming generations. If we continue to respond appropriately and remain connected to Jesus in whatever season we're in. I want to invite you to stand your feet today. Hey, thanks for listening to the Activate Church weekly podcast. We hope you are encouraged today and we would love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to activatechurch.com.